This evening, we're going to be reflecting on Christmas, obviously, and as we do, I want to reflect on a passage of Scripture from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. If you have a Bible, that's great. Break it out right now. Uh, if you have a Bible, you're not sure where John is. If you go about a third, uh, toward the back third of your Bible, John is the fourth book in the New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 18. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can follow along on the screen behind us. But we'll read, pray, and then we'll reflect on this passage together and see why it's important for our lives. So join me now. John chapter 1. This is the Word of God. Let's read together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was not in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But all who did receive him, And all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known is the word of God. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful for this time of year. It's a time of year to reflect on this great news that you sent your son Jesus into the world to take on flesh, to live the human life that we could not live, and to die the death that we certainly deserve to die. We thank you that this season helps us remember some of the most important things in the world that you, God, are true, that you've revealed yourself, and that you're calling us into a living relationship with you where we could call you Father. And God, we pray as we study this passage now, you would show us ways that uh, this passage challenges us, comforts us, encourages us. And we pray by your Holy Spirit, you would do just that. And we pray this all in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and all God's people said, amen. There's a oft-repeated story. Uh, Maybe you've heard it. I resonate with this story because it reminds me of my own family. But it's a story of a daughter, a four-year-old daughter of a man who loves art. And this daughter spends hours at the family art table doing things like crafts and painting pictures and drawing comics and making necklaces and bracelets and earrings. But on this occasion, she's drawing a picture 
And she is diligent in this picture. She's hyper-focused, hyper-attentive. And the dad, noticing this, asks his daughter, sweetie, what are you drawing? And she looks back and responds, isn't it obvious, God, I'm or isn't it obvious, dad, I'm drawing God? And he says, well, that's interesting. Okay, sweetie, but how can you be drawing God? Nobody knows what God looks like. And she responds, well, you just wait. Once I'm done, they will. <laughs> how should we think about God? What is God like? Can we even know him? If we were asked to draw a picture or write a description or write a definition about God, what would we write? There's hundreds of people in this room. I'd imagine if we were to give a survey asking that very, asking that very question, describe God, what is he like? We would get hundreds of different perspectives, hundreds of different characteristics, hundreds of different descriptions and definitions. In other words, we would all probably define God in our own unique, individual, and particular way. I'd imagine some of us would probably have, you know, the traditional definition of God. God is love. God is good. God is forgiving, all-powerful. He's the creator of everyone and everything. Others would make the definition a little bit more personal. You'd write, God wants me to be happy. God wants what's best for me. God has a plan for my life. Or you'd say, God is my heavenly father. I'd imagine there'd be a handful of us who would describe God more as an impersonal force. This is pretty common today, right? Some people refer to God kind of as an energy. He's the uniting force of all things in the universe. He's the order of the cosmos or something like that. In fact, a lot of people use the universe as synonymous with God. People will often say, well, the universe must be telling me something. The stars are aligning in such a way that God's leading me down this path. Some of us, we might take a more doubtful approach. We might go in a completely different direction. We'd write, God is not a good father. God is actually harsh. He's cruel, severe. God is judgmental. He doesn't care. He's indifferent. They'd say something like, if God even exists, which I highly doubt, why does he allow so many bad things to happen, especially bad things to happen in my life? Hundreds, maybe countless different definitions, different ideas, different perspectives about what God is like, all of which reflect our own unique, individual, personal, and particular perspectives and experiences. So back to my original question, what should we think of God? What is he like? And you may not realize this, but that question in and of itself is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about God showing up. God showing up to show us what he's like, giving us a clear, direct, very uh, sharp definition and description of who he is. Christmas is about God revealed. Let me show you what I mean. One of the first people to write a biography of the life of Jesus was this man named John, from whom we just read. John was one of Jesus' closest friends. He loved Jesus, and he wanted other people to know and love Jesus as well. So, in describing Jesus, he uses this term over and over and over again. 
In English, when you want to emphasize something, you know, in an email, you'll italicize something, you'll bold something, you'll underline it. Or if you're over the age of 61, you'll capitalize everything in a text message. What time is dinner? I said, well, settle down. There's just a text. In the ancient world, when you wanted to emphasize something, you repeated it. So to start his biography of Jesus, John writes, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is a short section, just a handful of verses, but four times over and over again. Word, 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 word. That's who Jesus is. He is the word. You see what John is doing is he's writing this book, this biography, and he wants an introduction. He wants an introduction that is going to capture who Jesus is. In a few words, a short amount of time, compressed, he wants one title that'll encapsulate Jesus and everything that he is and everything he represents. So he's thinking, okay, Jesus, son of God, yeah, okay, that works, that could do, but I do refer to him as that a little bit later on. Lord, Okay, yeah, that's good. That might do. Creator, Savior, Messiah, Christ, sure. But he lands on this. Word, 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 word. That's it. That's who Jesus is. He is the word, the word of God. John being Jewish, he he would have thought back to the Old Testament, which he was well-versed in. And whenever God visited his people in the Old Testament or revealed himself personally, there would be this repeating phrase. It would say, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Or the word of God came to Ezekiel or David or Amos. Jeremiah, in fact, he was maybe one of the most renowned prophets in all the history of Israel. He begins his entire book, an entire book of prophecies, with these words. He said, now the word of the Lord came to me, saying... Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. When God showed up, when God revealed himself, he spoke. He talked. He revealed himself by his word. And John says, that's it. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is The Word, God speaking to humanity in a person. Jesus is God revealed. That's why he says in verse 14, John writes, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen, we've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's what Christmas is all about. 2,000 years ago, God himself became a man. He was born in a stable. He rested in a manger. He was swaddled and nursed. In Jesus, God took on flesh. He became human to show us exactly, precisely, and directly what he is like. To see Jesus is to see God. Meaning if you want to know God, 
You don't have to speculate. You don't have to base it on your personal experience or opinions. You can simply look to Jesus and know exactly what God is like because Jesus is the word he's God revealed. Just think with me. How radically different is that from how we talk about God in our culture? In our culture, we make it seem as if God cannot really be known. We talk as if he's not really shown himself. So we'll say things like this. We'll say, well, who really knows what God is like anyway? You know, does anyone really know there are so many theories, philosophies, religions? Every person has their own perspective and opinions. And you, you have to find which view of God is right for you. That's what you do. You find that view that's right for you. And who am I to say what God is like or to contradict what works for you? So if you have that view of God that works in your life personally, that's great. You do you. And that actually makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? If God never revealed himself, that makes all the sense in the world because who can really know? If, if a person says God is X or a person says, no, 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 God is actually Y, then how can we know? Should we believe that God is X or should we believe that God is Y? Who's to say? It's a stalemate. It's a tie. It's my opinion versus your opinion, my experience versus your experience. But Jesus, the story of Christmas, says we can know. We don't have to speculate or base our opinions about God on something we experienced in the past because God has revealed himself. It's not about the opinion of person A or the opinion of person B. We can know exactly what God is like by looking to Jesus, the word. In him, God has actually revealed himself to all humanity. You know, in baseball, they have this phrase, when it's a bang-bang play, right? They say, tie goes to the, let's try that again. That's pretty awful. Tie goes to the runner. Well, in this debate, tie goes to Jesus. He's broken the stalemate. It's not a tie anymore or based on opinion because in Jesus, we know exactly what God is like. God has revealed himself in him. And you'd expect this. You'd expect this because Jesus, if he's the word, God in flesh, you'd expect everything God does, Jesus does. And that's why John says right at the beginning of his biography, verse 1, in the beginning was the word. Again, verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. Just as God was in the beginning just as God was before everything that existed, eternal, the word Jesus was in the beginning before anything existed. He too is eternal. Verse 3, John says, All things were made through the word, and without the word was not anything made that was made. Just as God created everything that exists, so too Jesus created everything that exists. That includes the moon, the galaxies, the sun, the stars, the earth, and every single person in this room, all created by Jesus. And same thing, verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. All life comes from God, which means Jesus is the source of all life. He's the source of all light and goodness and truth in the world. If you want to know God, what God is like, you don't have to speculate. You can look to Jesus, the word he is God revealed. 
One commentator put it this way. He said, there is no God in heaven that is unlike Jesus. What God does, Jesus does, because Jesus is God revealed to humanity. There is no God in heaven that is unlike Jesus. And this is important. John is quick to say, and this Jesus, he's not just a prophet. You look at verse 6, he mentions a man named John the Baptist. Now you have John who's the author of this. This is a different John, John the Baptist, the John who wrote this biography. That's John, the son of Zebedee. He was born in Galilee, born in Bethsaida. He's the brother of Andrew. He's an apostle. Now you have John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth from Galilee. He's a prophet. Does that make sense? (laughs) Okay. This is a different John. And John the Baptist, a prophet, notice what he says in talking about Jesus. John the Baptist, we're told, was a man sent from God named John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. John the Baptist was a prophet, considered maybe the greatest prophet in all the Bible, at least that's how Jesus speaks of him, and even he is not as great as Jesus. Prophets were to hear from God and then tell others the message. But Jesus is not like John the Baptist. Even though John the Baptist was great, Jesus is greater. Jesus doesn't hear from God and then share the message. No, he's God himself. He's the word. God revealed in human flesh. Even John the Baptist, this says, this Jesus, this word, this light is far greater than me. If you want to know God, don't come talking to me. I'm just a witness pointing to him. Jesus is the one you need to talk to. A few years ago, before uh, my wife and I, we moved back to Colorado. I lived in Nashville, worked at the Cheesecake Factory, and folks knew that I was a Christian, so they asked me a lot of questions about God. And I got coffee with one of my friends who was a fellow server at Cheesecake Factory, And he said he was on this search for God. He said he was frustrated because he had tried everything he knew, but God seemed elusive. He he seemed distant no matter what he tried. He tried meditation. He tried breathing exercises. He tried nature soaking. I don't even know what that is, but he did it. He even bought a seven-step course on a website devoted to spirituality. I remember some of the steps. Step one. Let go of expectations in your life and the expectations others have of you. God arrives mysteriously when we break free of the restraints set upon us. Step one. Step two. Quiet the voice of your ego so that you can hear the voice of inner wisdom. After all, God speaks to us uniquely and individually in our hearts beating. Step three. Making changes in the way you look at the world is crucial. God often shows himself in the little things of life, like a blade of grass or a dewdrop. Step four, discover your true passions and loves in life and pursue them wholeheartedly. And at this point, I had to stop him and I said, wait, wait, wait. I don't mean any disrespect. I really don't. Don't mean any disrespect, but... Answer this for me. How is that form of spirituality any different from every single Disney movie that's ever been produced? (laughs) After all, I've watched Beauty and the Beast, and it follows that script to a T, right? Break free of the expectations and confines of your life. I want much more than this provincial life, right? It's the first scene. 
follow your heart's passion, right? Don't be held back by what others think in that backwards town back there. Change the way you view others to open yourself to love. There must be something there that wasn't there before, right? And then at the end, break free, find your ultimate purpose, live happily ever after. It sounds great, it sounds spiritual, but it's no deeper, no more satisfying, no more clarifying than any Disney movie ever produced since 1964. No wonder you're frustrated. No wonder God seems elusive elusive and distant. No wonder you're not drawing close, close to him because Disney will never tell you what God is like, nor will Disney draw you close to him in a living relationship. It can't. If you want to know God or know what you should think of him, you can know exactly what he's like through Jesus, the word God revealed. You don't have to speculate anymore. Jesus is the word who became flesh and dwelt among us, God revealed. But we read verse 9, this is important, not everyone wants to know God. John writes, verse 9, the true light, again, speaking about Jesus, the word, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. This is John's way of saying, even when God did reveal himself, even when the word Jesus came to the world, some people didn't seem to care. Some people were so disinterested or so preoccupied, they didn't take the time. They didn't even put forth the effort to get to know him. Some even went as far as completely rejecting Jesus. John knew this from personal experience. Remember, John was a close friend of Jesus. He followed him for three years, and he saw repeatedly Jesus would call people to himself, say, come, follow me, find true life, find the true light that you're searching for, come out of darkness, and repeatedly, time and time again, people said, well, I've got family affairs I need to attend to, Jesus. Maybe once I'm done with those, then I'll follow you. Others would say, I don't think I can leave my work. I have financial obligations, Jesus, and I can't do it right now. Maybe some other time. If you come back another time, then I'll follow you. Some would say, following you, Jesus, that's really hard. I've heard that to be your disciple, you have to do what you say. You have to live life the way you set out. And I don't think I'm ready for that right now. Jesus even told a parable. He told a parable getting at this very thing. He said, you know what it's like? It's like a party. It's like a banquet. What you'd expect, right, is if God came to earth, if God showed up, people would celebrate. People would rejoice. They'd flock to me. You'd think they'd be excited to finally meet God in the flesh, finally know God. But Jesus said, it doesn't work that way. It's actually more like this. He said, it's like a man. A man who once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who'd been invited, Come, everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go over and go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I have to go and examine them. Please have me excused. Tell, the, tell Jesus, servant, that I can't come. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I can't come either. 
The word, light, came into the world, but the world did not know him. They didn't even seem to care. He came to his own creation, the creation that he formed, his own people, and they didn't receive him. They had all important matters to attend to. Even when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, even when God showed up, few actually took the time or effort to get to know God. In fact, once people actually did get close to Jesus and they began to hear his teaching, some discovered they don't really like Jesus all that much. So instead of following him, submitting to him, they actually disliked him so much they had Jesus arrested, they had Jesus tried, condemned, and ultimately crucified. When the word became flesh, they rejected him and had him hung on a Roman cross. That was the world's response to God. The response to God was to crucify him. You actually see this pattern play out today. Even though Jesus has come, we're just too busy, too concerned, too preoccupied to get to know him. I feel this too. I have four kids. I know, you're, you're wondering, how can a 21-year-old have four kids? <laughs> well, I'm not 21 and I have twins. We have four kids and they're in baseball, soccer, gymnastics. You should hear the conversations in our house. They, they sound something like this. When does McLean have soccer? When does Eli have baseball? When is the game on Saturday? When is the practice on Thursday? Do the girls have gymnastics this week? Lucas needs a ride to practice again this week, right? Who is Lucas? <laughs> Lucas is your son's friend. You drove him to practice last week, remember? I'll take your word for it. Was that game rescheduled? Is it too cold to practice today? Do you think practice will be canceled? Who will watch the Twins when Eli and McLean have a game at the same time? Are you going to coach next season? Is it our week to bring snacks? What kind of snacks are you going to buy? Why did you buy those snacks? Is the gym open today? Mom, where are my cleats? Dad, where are my shin guards? Dad, where's my leotard? How many times have I told you to put it in the same spot? Each time. Where's the game this week? Does Lucas need a ride again to practice this week? Who is Lucas? That's so often our lives, isn't it? Rushed, preoccupied, too busy, too concerned, too preoccupied to get to know the God who created us, too preoccupied for Jesus. He was in the world, yet the world did not know him because they didn't care to. C.S. Lewis, he once wrote this book. It's called The Screwtape Letters. It's a story about a senior demon writing to a junior demon and the junior demon's job is to follow a man around to make sure he does not truly know God. That's his whole mission. This guy had just become a Christian. His job, divert him away from the true God. And at first, the junior demon believes he has to get the man to do something awful. He has to get this man, you know, to murder somebody or commit adultery or something like that. But the senior demon writes him saying, you're just like all junior tempters. You're anxious to be able to report spectacular witness in the man you oversee. But do remember, the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from God. It doesn't matter how you do it. It does not matter how small the distractions or how small the sins, provided their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light. Murder is no better than cards or a grocery list if those things will do. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, 
soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts, just subtle distractions. That's all you need. In other words, just keep them busy. It's a profound point. After all, all sin leads to the same place. They have the same effect. Brazen rebellion against God. Wanting nothing to do with God. Making sure everyone knows it. Even posting that on your Twitter feed so everyone knows you don't believe God. Leads to the same outcome. Leads to the same place as the person who's constantly distracted, constantly too busy, constantly preoccupied. At the end of the day, the cumulative effect is the same. The hardened miscreant and the hyper-busy suburbanite both lead to the same place. Distant from God, separated from the light, without knowledge of Jesus and having little or no real interest in him. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The light came into the world, yet the world did not know him. They did not receive him. Friends, there is nothing more important in life than knowing God. Nothing. That's what Christmas is all about. Don't allow your busyness, your distractions, your preoccupations divert you from knowing God as he's been revealed in Jesus. We have a course, a small group here at Deer Creek Church, where for eight weeks, we just explore who Jesus is. We read through another biography of Jesus called The Gospel of Mark. It's called Christianity Explored. We offer it in January. And we just take the times to ask the questions. Who is Jesus? What did he come to do? How should we respond? How do we follow him? And you're able to ask any possible question you can think of. Friends, take eight weeks Take eight weeks to ask the most important questions a person can ask. Take eight weeks to know more about God and learn about Jesus. No task, no preoccupation, no thing is as important as that. Knowing God through Jesus. And the reason it is so important, and notice John kind of closes on this idea. John doesn't leave it here. We just read the light came into the world, yet the world did not know him. That's true, but there are exceptions to the rule. Verse 12. Verse 12, John writes, But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of God. Not everybody rejects Jesus. Not everybody turns away from him. There are exceptions to the rule. There are some of you here today and you've wanted to know what God is like your entire life. You've wanted to know what he's like and you've wanted to know what it's like to have a relationship, have light, have life in him. And John says, you can. All who receive Jesus all who believe in his name. He gives the right to become children of God. That's what verse 13 means. You can be born again into his family. Not a natural birth, of course, with blood and flesh, but a supernatural birth, a new life that brings you out of darkness, out of sin, out of death, out of hell, into life, 
into light, into who God created you to be through faith in Jesus, the word of God who became flesh, you can have a living relationship with God as your father. Some of the best memories of my life were when I was a child, I couldn't be more than eight years old, and me and my two brothers, we'd be sitting at our dinner table, it'd be about 5.30, and we were just anxious for our dad to get home. Mom had made dinner, and we're just waiting for dad to walk through the door. And we'd be talking, and then all of a sudden, behind us, we'd hear the door handle start to jiggle, and we'd jump out of our seats. We would run to the door, and as soon as my dad opened the door, before he could take off his shoes, we were jumping on his shoulders, we were wrapping our arms around his waist, we were pulling at his pant leg, and we were saying, we're so happy you're home, daddy-o's home, daddy-o, we love daddy-o, daddy-o, I don't know why we called him daddy-o, but we did, and you know what, I would not trade that memory for the world. Because I wanted to be in the presence of my father. I experienced this as a father myself. I mentioned we have four kids. The, the other week we were uh, having kind of a rough week. I was sick, so I had to stay home from work, and I'm just out of it upstairs in my bedroom. And so Hannah, my wife, is running around like a chicken with her head cut off, trying to get the kids from point A to B. She had to bring them to school, get the kids home from school. And it's about 4.30, and my kids open the door into the house, and right as they get home, I hear bags drop, and they start thumping up to my room. And they break through the door, and, and they come into my room. I'm sick, by the way, but they come into my room, and they want to share everything about their dad. Dad, I drawed a picture. Dad, look what I did in gym. Dad, we went to Chick-fil-A after school. I got chicken nuggets. Mom let us play on the playground. Dad, do you want some of my peppermint milkshake? Absolutely, I want some of that peppermint milkshake. Can I have it back? Sorry, I'm sick. <laughs> Through faith in Jesus, you can become a child of God. You can know God as your heavenly father. Enjoy his presence, enjoy his light, enjoy his goodness, because all who receive Jesus and believe in his name, Jesus gives them the right to be a child of God. In fact, when we were rejecting him, when we were crucifying Jesus, he was dying for our sins so that we might be brought back into a living relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. What kind of love is that? why these are profound words the words of John I'll close on this but all all who do receive Jesus who believe in his name he gives the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but they can be born of God into his family that's what Christmas is all about let's pray together Jesus we thank you that you so loved us, you were willing to come and live a human life, to live among us. To come and live the perfect life that all of us have failed to live, that we oftentimes don't even care to live. And you came and lived in perfection. You came as God and became man so that we as men could become children of God. And Jesus, not only that, you came and you died for us. You came and died for the sins that we've committed, you've come and died for the sins of rejecting you, and yet you pursue us in love. Jesus, we thank you for this season that reminds us of these great truths. And we pray, God, that 
Maybe some of us for the first time would be brought into your family through faith. God, we pray that throughout this Christmas season, you would remind us of of this great, profound mystery. That God, you so loved the world that you gave your only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal, abundant, and everlasting life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.